We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. Welcome into another Three Ma Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from K State Online and Cole Manbeck, former K State beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. We are talking about another victory today as the Wildcats win 37 to 28 over the weekend. Over the Texas Tech Red Raiders, it was not always easy. Uh, felt like at times, particularly in the third quarter, that it was not going to go K-State's way, but the Wildcats explode late with Adrian Martinez's legs, and they pull out a win to move to 2-0 in Big 12 play and head into Farmageddon week. So you know uh, you know that emotions are going to be running around here. It is uh, going to be a fun week. But, hey, if you're going to Ames or not going to Ames, it's a night kick. You've got all day to sit there and drink and get ready. And uh, make sure you stock up on 360 Vodka from Holiday Distillery or Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. If that is your drink of choice, they are great K-State people that have helped us out and supported the podcast here. So please go out and support them as well and make sure that you are ready to go with whatever your drink of choice is for the 7 o'clock kickoff between K-State and Iowa State in Ames coming up this week. All right, well, look, I'm feeling pretty good. All things considered, at the end of the day, after K-State beats Texas Tech by nine, I, I think that's an improving Tech team. I think their defense is much better. Uh, I, I know that K-State rushed for almost 350 yards, which doesn't look great on that defense, but there were points in that game where they, they played really well, and it seems like Tech is moving in the right direction. But end of the day, D.Y., I mean, Adrian Martinez continued to play the way that he did against Oklahoma for the most part in that game when he was getting help, in particular, from his offensive line. And uh, when K-State needed – to really close out the game, to, to grab control again after they had lost the control that they had early, it was going back to the quarterback run game to uh, to put it on ice. Yeah, and even without, you know, maybe like an aerial assault, I think he, what he threw for 240 against Oklahoma didn't necessarily come close to that against Texas Tech. It, it felt like there was no flaws in the passing game when they had time to unload the ball and kind of surveyed the defense and pick what spots to take and which ones to not only a few passes come to mind where I felt like they they could have done more than what they did. I know Cade Warner came open late on a scramble from Martinez to the right where he dumped it off to Phil Brooks, still got the first down. Warner was probably further downfield and open, but Cade was turning the corner again and not necessarily looking for the ball, so I don't necessarily blame that on Adrian Martinez. 
Um, another time where I think they had a shot play open with Malik Knowles and Martinez was ready to unleash it. And that's when he fumbled um, when the defender knocked the ball out of his hands and he jumped on it. And so he still hasn't turned the ball over because of that. And then the only misfire from him I felt was when he threw it to the wrong shoulder of Ben Sinnott. Um, there are some people got on Ben Sinnott for maybe not tracking the ball. Right. I, I, I think Martinez just threw it to the wrong shoulder and that was probably his only glaring miss on the day. So even without a statistical explosion through the air, I, I still felt pretty good about that part of the game as long as they keep moving in the right direction. They're probably not at this moment when it comes to pass protection, some of the communication errors, some of the chemistry, just some of the you know winning your battles up front. They're, they're going to have to continue to work on because if we're talking about maybe the biggest question mark moving forward for Kansas State, um, there's probably – things you can quibble about on defense. They haven't been perfect to kind of give up 28 to Texas Tech, 34 to Oklahoma, but getting off the field is what they're doing right, and that goes a long way. But the biggest question mark is probably the offensive line at this point. And some of that's bad luck, right? They're just – it always happens one year, right, where one position group is going to get attacked with the bad luck, with the injury luck, and this year that's been the offensive line. Well, if you didn't watch the game and you see 116 yards passing by Adrian Martinez, you might think that he reverted back to check it down, Adrian, that we saw in the first three games. But that that didn't feel like the case at all in this one, um, to D.Y.'s point and what he was brought up there. Because a Adrian was taking shots downfield and, you know, when they did throw, you know, he made the right reads most of the time. It was really, you know, a couple of the times he dropped back to what D.Y. just said. The offensive line didn't protect him. He didn't have time. He had to throw it away. Uh, we talked about heading into that game that Kansas State was one of four teams that hadn't taken a sack in the last three games, um, and he gets sacked three times in this game, and he could have been sacked more than that if it wasn't for his escapability. I mean, remember the the incredible play you pointed out, DUI, where he completes at 11 yards downfield to Phillip Brooks and Cade Warner had popped open. I mean, most quarterbacks get sacked there. There's not even a play made, and he gets the first down because of his elusiveness. He has bailed out the offensive line a few times. I remember the the three-man rush tech brought on Saturday and they got to him in maybe two, two and a half seconds. And, and that can't happen with three-man rush. So the offensive line does have to play better. Uh, I thought Adrian played just fine, was dynamic in the running game, obviously 171 yards on the ground, followed up previously with 148 the game before, seven rushing touchdowns now. He now leads college football quarterbacks with 469 rushing yards on the season and is second in the country, including all positions with nine rushing touchdowns. So he's doing it with his legs, man. He, he looks good. He only needs about another 130, 140 yards to eclipse his career high in a season for rushing yards that he had in Nebraska. And, and we know they relied on him a lot uh, with his legs there. Heck, he led the team in rushing yards two of four years. So he's been great with his legs and Obviously, the, the running performance, it was it was just all about the explosives for Kansas State. That, that That's really what the story of the game was, because they did not move the ball effectively uh, without those explosives. And if it wasn't for that, they may have lost. Yeah, and I think that's actually kind of a good thing, because they won without explosives the previous three wins. Um, they weren't necessarily an explosive football team on the offensive side of the ball, and that was actually one of my concerns, because you're not going to be able to move the ball every game. Like you're going to have games where the offense stalls. They're not perfect. They're out of sync for whatever reason. And it's hard to pick up first downs and your success rate is, is not impressive. You're you're just not going to be able to be that effective all 12 games, right? So there's going to be games where you falter, but you need to rely on explosives to win. 
they were able to do that. Um, that's not necessarily something that is overly sustainable, but you have to have that in your back pocket when you need it. And, and they did on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, the, the play, one of the, the plays of the game to me was, was Deuce busting out the big run that he had, because I think, was that a 2020 when that happened or was it even before that? I mean, early second half Deuce busts out for that, that really long time. Yeah, it was 2020, John, and they, they were under center with a fullback, uh, kind of a different formation that they hadn't shown much in the game, and he busted that. They hadn't shown it at all. Yeah, they went under center. First time under center in the entire game. Might be first time under center in a couple of weeks. I, well, I was just about to ask that. Did they Were they under center at all in Norman? I don't remember it. Uh, that's probably a better question for fan. But that was definitely the first time in that game. I think the only time in that game. Good time to break it out, but – that was part of the adjustment, not necessarily going under center, but bringing in Wheeler in line and lining up center at fullback or H-back and adding another gap for Texas Tech to account because that's really when I thought the running game took off. We can say, oh, they brought they, they incorporated the quarterback run game again because they did, but Deuce was also finding more gaps and more space to operate, not just Martinez. Yeah, and they had, they had 10 plays, 10 running plays that went for 10 or more yards in the game. Those running plays accounted for 272 of K-State's 343 rushing yards, actually 362 rushing yards because 19 yards were taken off by sacks. The other 26 designed running plays K-State had, they ran the ball 90 times for three and a half yards per carry. So 27 yards per carry on the 10 explosives, three and a half uh, on the other 26 carries, which isn't necessarily a big surprise because the explosives are going to always inflate the numbers, but it shows how heavily Kansas State relied on the big play in this game, they had 16 plays of 10 plus yards. They had 17 plays of 10 plus yards at OU. And the first three games, they had 24 combined. They now have 33 in their last two games. So uh, certainly big, picking up bigger chunks of yardage is uh, has been key. Uh, but they got to clean up. You, you can't have the five drive stretch where it's fumble and then three and out four straight times after that. They put the defense in a bad situation. They did, I felt the defense got gassed. They just got put on the field too much with the, te- the pace that Tech plays with. Yeah, and I mean, on that on that topic, I, I know, D.Y., you said it's it's maybe not as simple as just like quarterback run game. It, it fixes everything, but I don't know. It, it sure felt like in a lot of ways that that was it. I mean, I was screaming for it, like literally in that room over there, screaming for it, uh, and then they they ran it, and it pops off for the touchdown that, that Adrian Martinez had, and, and, you know, that started K-State putting the game away. Is it – are we at the point where this is like a pitch count thing? They're worried about Adrian Martinez running the ball too much. He had 12 carries in that game as opposed to 21 at Oklahoma. There was the conversation surrounding Adrian when he came in about not wanting to use his legs as much and be more of a passer. Um, but I, I just, to me, it's it's pretty glaringly obvious at this point. They're, they're, they're not going to win big 12 games without a pretty steady dose of quarterback run. And I just, I've seen enough of, of this offense to really know that one, I mean, and that's not all just because of the offense's limitations. It's also because of what, I mean, you have an elite, elite guy with the ball in his hands when Adrian Martinez takes off because of what we've seen in those explosive plays this year. And you just, you simply have to use it. But I do understand there being a bit of a dance, especially with a guy like Colin Klein, who knows what it's like to get 25 carries every single week and what that does to your body. So I'm, I'm just throwing it out to you. Where, where do you feel like that is and, and how they're trying to manage it right now? I can't confirm or say 100% conviction that that played into the idea of holding it back a little bit until the second half, but it wouldn't surprise me. 
because it's only game five. It's twelve game season, or is it? Was that game six? I don't even know where we're at now. Um, game five. Like game yeah, five. Game five. <laughs> uh, but I, you do have to take it into account because what you want to accomplish over a twelve game season, not a five game season, does heavily rely on the health of Adrian Martinez, which has been tethered a little bit throughout his career. So I think it has to be taken into account. Maybe they said, you know, we'll we'll go to that bag of tricks, so to speak, more in the second half and close out the game that way because that's kind of how it unfolded. I wonder if that was part of the calculus. I don't think we'll ever find out that. I don't think they want to reveal the plans. But uh, I wonder if he's going to be some kind of closer, so to speak, more than anything. Um, it was a nice spark to begin the game. You got to remember – when they were going back to pass a little bit, uh, there was two plays where he took a healthy shot pretty squared up from Texas Tech, too, where I think he was a little stunned and, and had to regroup and you know for the ensuing seconds after those plays. So uh, something that they have to be careful with, especially when they know that they are shorthanded on the offensive line. I think you have to take it into consideration. But think, but think about this, guys. So you've got Deuce Vaughn, 638 rushing yards on the year, third leading rusher in all of college football at all positions. Adrian leads quarterbacks in rushing yards. They're probably the most lethal quarterback-running back combination in college football when it comes to running the football. So you would think that how much they've shown that they can be a threat in the running game, that this will open up the passing game more. As long I mean, as you can block. Yeah, as long as you can protect Adrian – um, and give him time, you would think defenses are going to start cheating up more and more with also Adrian threat. And it'll also open up holes for Deuce because look at Texas Tech. You couldn't just key in on Deuce. If Adrian pulled that ball, he can house it. Uh, and then also the fact that Adrian is just so dynamic in the scramble game when he evades and gets out of the pocket. The defense, you know, he can do what Patrick Mahomes does frequently and, and go up to that line and then he could fling it downfield, you know, and that safety has to come up thinking he might run with it, take off with his legs. It should, in theory, open up the K-State receivers where they're going to be in a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations and they need to be able to take advantage of it. It is. The offensive line just has to hold up against the blitz. But because we saw, saw it against Oklahoma, saw it again against Texas Tech, so, you know, it's a copycat league, they say, right? Not just the NFL, but, you know, in college football, teams are seeing effectiveness of getting after Kansas State via the blitz. They're going to see it throughout the season. They're going to have to have answers. Coach Kleiman even said in his press conference afterwards, we have to be able to throw versus the blitz. Well, yeah, that was what, what stood out to me from the postgame press conference was talking about that lull in the second and third quarter where K-State's offense went totally away, that it was about Texas Tech doing a great job with different blitzes and and, and really confusing them and getting after them. So, I mean, that, that, that stood out to me, that that is something they're going to have to figure out and that that is a part of it in addition to, like, hey, just not running the quarterback. Also, Texas Tech did a, did a nice job. And when you have good defensive minds on the other side, I think we all have a healthy amount of respect for Tim DeRuiter, who's Texas Tech's defensive coordinator. They're going to figure those things out. And, I mean, honestly, I know we're not here to talk about next week a ton on this show or this upcoming week, I should say. But, like, that, that is a concern to me with with Iowa State because I do think they have they have not only a pretty good defense but a pretty good pass rush. So uh, you know, the, the, probably the best best defensive lineman that Kansas State has seen so far this year that they, they probably see throughout the year. I know everyone points to Siaki Ika of of Baylor and Texas and Oklahoma have some dudes too. I don't think they'll be blocking a guy better than Will McDonald this year. Um, I'll, I I respect him a hell of a lot. He he's you know maybe one B to Felix is one A. Am I? Isn't that tech kid a pro too, though? One of those tech dudes. 
probably, but I think Will McDonald and Felix Indy-DK Uzama are in a different stratosphere. It, it'll be the best defense Kansas State faces probably this year. Uh, yeah, they're better than Baylor's team. Yeah, this year. yeah. yeah. Uh, they're going to make case. K State's going to have to win via the air, and we'll talk about it more on Thursday's show. But they're sixth in the country and best in the Big 12 in run defense, 2.7 yards per carry, ranked number six nationally, um, 7% sack rate, which is top 40, uh, 4.1 yards per play allowed, seventh in the country. I mean, and they're going to they're going to bring it at K State. And if I and I I can guarantee you, uh, I'll put out this a guarantee that Kansas State's going to get the best version of Iowa State this year, this season because they are at home. Uh, it's a good program and a good culture that Matt Campbell has created. I think we can at least say that part. They are as hungry and desperate for a win as they've ever been under Matt Campbell probably, and they are at home. Kansas State will get the best version of Iowa State. Yeah, it'll, it'll be their Super Bowl for sure. Um, I'll throw out one more number, guys, uh, just on Kansas State's season numbers. They've now ran the ball. 66% of their total offensive yards have come via the run. That's number two in the country the second highest percentage of rushing or total yards coming via the run number two in the country. Uh, 64% of their plays have been throws, which is top 10 in the country uh, and third most among power five schools. So, you know, we talked about this offense, maybe changing a little bit, right. With Colin Klein, but they've kind of shifted back. Uh, I shouldn't say necessarily shifted back because they threw it 34 times at OU and 31 against Tulane, but uh, the, the production is certainly coming via the run. Yeah, and another thing to add, I would say, I know the, the amount of plays ended up being, well, if you just look at how many plays they ran on offense, it's like, oh, maybe they didn't go fast. Kansas State went fast that game. There was multiple times where I didn't look up quick enough to see the, the offensive play, which rarely happens when it comes to a Kansas State offense, and they went so fast that Texas Tech had to call timeout. Yeah, it, it wasn't K-State's pace that was the problem. K-State ran 58 offensive plays, which was their average number of last year. Tech ran 82. It was certainly a huge change, but it was it was largely – you had the three and outs, but not only that, D.Y., three of K-State's touchdowns were three plays or less. Yeah. So even when they were scoring, like I would turn to my dad sitting next to me and I would say to him, it's almost like you hate – they scored so fast. Like that K-State defense was just kept getting put on the field, even when K-State was scoring. Um, you were just hoping they could suck it up and get one of those stops where K-State could get the score extended back out to two, two-plus scores, two-possession game. And fortunately, in the fourth quarter, they were able to do that. What do we make of 9 a.m. right now having as high as the fifth-best Heisman odds in the country, depending on where you look? I respect a hell of a lot of what he's doing right now, and he's playing at a very – very high level but i will say that 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 seems like vegas protecting itself in case he really takes off into the stratosphere a little bit so i think it's inflated just vegas being kind of protective of it because i mean if can't say goes 11 and 1 and he continues to play at this level yeah it's the same way with jalen daniels but they're probably saying Kansas State's more likely to go 11-1 than, than I was gonna say, he's, he's now surpassed jalen daniels in terms yeah, of life. which i think i think because as much as we hate it and I'm a Heisman voter too, but I mean, a lot of times winning loss record does play a role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I just, the, to me, the, the recipe for him to win it would be that they're, they would have to run him like 21 times a game. Like he did at Oklahoma. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're, they're yeah. sure unwilling going, to do that. Keep going three fifty, at least three fifty, at least three touchdowns every game. Total yeah. yards. Yeah. Yeah. But considering, I mean, Let's just take a bit of perspective here. It was what two two weeks ago or three weeks ago that we sat right here after the Tulane game and we're 
halfway legitimately kicking around the idea of like how long is the leash on Adrian Martinez before mentality's power to take Rubley, and now all of a sudden two games later it's he's top five Heisman odds country. Yeah, I mean that's called football this year. It's really weird. Every time a a group of five team beats a pretty good power five team, they lose the next week to a a, a similar group of five. It's been a wacky year. It's uh, very the volatility is still at a high high level right now. It, It hasn't. We haven't found equilibrium in college football yet. Well, shout out to Tulane, huh? Big win, third string quarterback, overtime on the road at Houston. Dana Holgerson's like fighting with his fans, you know, from down on the sideline uh, after Kansas made him made his players fight with each other. So, you know. I mean, look, that, really that's, well that, that Tulane defense is really good, guys. I mean, they, they won that game with their third string quarterback, which I know most Kansas football fans aren't familiar with because they, they don't follow college football and, didn't realize Tulane was playing with their third string quarterback in that game. And we're trying to do the comparative scores analysis that KU won by three scores and Tulane took overtime, which is not the way to go about it. If you're wondering Kansas football fans, that's not a good idea to try and venture down that path. So um, yeah, I, I think Tulane's probably going to be an eight or nine win team. And I know a lot of Kansas state fans continue to point back oh, what Tulane game. It hurts so much. I just am trying to, on the optimistic side of me, I look back at it. I think, maybe that was the turning point in the season that has triggered this offense to waking up. So let's say Kansas state wins that game by seven instead and doesn't lose. And I'm not a guy that says, you know, you learn and losses. I'm, I'm not a, a moral victories guy when you lose games like that. But if that was the key to turning this season around, then I'll gladly take that loss at Tulane. If it means Kansas state can get to Arlington. And I'm sure most Kansas state fans would as well. Totally agree. Colby, nice to Kansas fans. Okay, look, Clemson and Georgia were both on the ropes there, which would have really helped out their playoff chances, and uh, didn't work out for them. So it was a it was a rough night. And now, now the Wisconsin jobs open, Nebraska's open. I mean, look, there's just let's be nice to them. Okay, there's a lot lot to worry about. As as George Klievkov would say, there's a lot of grenades coming in. A lot of grenades coming in that they got to worry about. So, uh, okay. Uh, defensive line deserves a lot of praise here. We've talked a lot about the offense, and and rightfully so. That's going to get a lot of the attention typically. But the other way, K-State won this game, in addition to the, the the explosive plays on offense coming back, it was the fact that the defensive line was just dominant. You had six sacks in the game. Uh, Felix and then Khalid Duke, you know, who was rushing the passer a lot. And Chris Kleiman talked about after the game how, how much his eyes lit up when they told him that was going to be a part of the game plan this week. That That pass rush looked awesome. Uh, on Saturday and, and made Donovan Smith's life pretty pretty hectic most of the game. Yeah, I would agree. Sorry. Uh, Kansas State actually just offered a 2024 in-state kid, so that's the third one of the cycle, or second one, just the second. Uh, Junction City, how about that? Um, oh. But in terms of the pass rush, Felix Indy-DK, Zama, Khalid Duke, uh, they combined for six sacks, uh, and Felix forced a fumble too, right? And that I think it tied the school record for career – forced fumbles already that's how much he is a, an animal when he gets after the quarterback uh enforces turnovers when he does it just really good uh fundamentals he, he creates havoc it's not just the sack he's going for the whole thing the whole enchilada but Khalid Duke I thought the biggest that was the biggest takeaway for me not to take what Felix does for granted which I'm about to do but seeing it from Khalid Duke I think was the biggest factor because um, if you have him return to form or exceed his prior form and, and right there, right alongside Khalid Duke, takes the defense to another level, it's another thing to account for. Um, and I'll, I'm sure a lot of that will be predicated on how much more of a load the Desmond Purnell can take, that you can 
maybe walk Khalid Duke down to the first level a little bit more and have him rush the passer. So Desmond Purnell's development is probably going to be key in that. But, I mean, not just that, right? Nate Matlack, 26 snaps, so he's on the mend. Uh, a lot of good signs all the way around. Um, I, I'm sure the question will come up, but uh, Eli Huggins, I, I'm told he'll, he's fine. He's going to play next week. He'll be available. He'll start, so that's fine. Same thing with KT Leveston. He'll, he'll be back. He'll be starting. So um, the injury front, everything seems to be headed in the right direction too. Wait, wait, D.Y., are you saying, are you saying people were doubting that KT Leveston would be back? Are people are people doubting KT Leveson because he doesn't like being doubted? Uh, he don't like being doubted. No, he don't like be being bad. doubted. Yeah, I think he just got poked in the eye. Okay. Yeah. the the uh, The biggest takeaway for me was Duke on the defensive side of the football. Like you guys, just that he's showing signs of getting back to his 2020 form and before and early 2021 form before the knee injury. Uh, there was one play where he just put the left tackle on his butt with a simple bull rush and pancaked him to the ground and sacked the quarterback. And uh, I, I like the thought of third down and long obvious passing situations of him, Nate Matlack and Felix on the field going after the quarterback at the same time and kind of salivate it, bringing all three of those guys. And I think you, you get through this Iowa state game and you got the bye week and you know, Nate Matlack's clearly getting better um, in terms of health, but that bye week, you can get some of these guys to 100%. Uh, I think the pass rush will take off to another level with that, and we'll see Nate Matlack start to take off because so far this year he doesn't have a sack. Now, again, he's hardly played the last two games before against Texas Tech, so that's part of it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the, the Duke thing is huge. And, and one play I'll point out, guys, that probably is big for Khalid Duke's confidence on his knee coming off this is – there was one time they brought him and he nearly got to the quarterback and Tosh Brooks, the running back cut block him at the knees. Yeah. And Tosh Brooks actually got hurt on the play. Um, but Khalid Duke popped right back up on his knees. And I, I don't know if he's been cut blocked since that knee injury. Uh, but I know that, you know, you're flying in and a guy cuts you in the knees like that, that it's probably a little bit scary for a guy coming off the injury he did. And the fact that he was able to pop right up, I'm sure that does him well with his mental mindset and confidence on that knee, having taken a shot there now on a cut block situation. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's interesting you mentioned that because I, I definitely remember the play now. And I remember when I watched it, like kind of holding my breath, like, Oof, goodness, like you, you just the way Khalid is playing, you don't, you don't want to see any issues there at all. But uh, yeah, I mean, rest of the defense, D.Y., how do they grade out to you? I don't know if you've had a chance to to rewatch the game, but we're talking about the secondary in particular. What did you think against Texas Tech? Uh, yeah, pretty good. But there's, I mean, here's the thing. You give up, uh, you know, four touchdowns and you feel a little worrisome especially since you did let them climb back into the game. I know that they were put into some tough spots, but you're, you're still kind of letting them go. Uh, they did get gassed, and they uh, just didn't have an answer there for probably a stretch or a sequence there, just like the offense didn't have an answer because all the momentum was on Texas Tech's side, both sides of the ball. Um, I felt like they, they needed a big play, and then they eventually got them. I will say they're opportunistic. I mean, you turn them over on downs twice. You you know, forced two fumbles that you bounced on. Uh, I think you picked off two passes. If you count the turnover on downs, it's six turnovers. I know those don't count, but they should in the statistical category. I don't know why those don't count. Uh, that's always been my kind of quibble with the with the way they uh, record those things because I, I think that's a turnover. It's literally called a turnover on downs. Um, Julius Prince finally got his interception. I think he's always around the ball, but typically doesn't get it. He finally got it, and they almost took it away because there was an inadvertent whistle. I will say, yeah, what the hell was going on there, man? I have I mean, no I... idea. They they could have wiped that away. Uh, obviously, we're glad that they didn't. But I mean, I'm not too too proud to say that that play shouldn't have been allowed. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Like if I were a Tech fan, I mean, I would have yeah. been rightfully so. I would have been livid. Now they were still down two scores. Yeah, I don't think it would have made a difference, but yeah, that should have been wiped. Yeah. Yeah, what was the, the back judge? I was in the the south the southwest corner of my seats. The back judge, I thought, blew a whistle and came running in while the ball was in the air, signaling clocks out. And then he acted like he did. Like it almost was like, oh, I didn't do it. Like uh, <laughs> I well, don't know. That well, was, that was I, no, nobody seemed well, to fess up to it. You know, they're all, they're all over talking. I mean, Joe McGuire, and... yeah, Joe McGuire was losing losing his. You know, you know what? And he had every right to. That was poor. Well, and I was wondering if it was a reviewable play, if they could go back and listen for the whistle or not. And I was just thinking of the Lincoln Riley play at OU yep, where he what, cries for 10 minutes on the sideline. And then they're finally like after a 10 minute delay, they're like, all right, we're going to review the play and then they'll change it. Just like the onside kick. That's what was going through my head. And I was like, yep. that, yeah, I, that, I, that came to my mind too. I had, I didn't have any interest in tech scoring and making it a two point game guys no. with another onside kick. All right. No, um, no. So that was a, that was a pretty big play. Let's be honest that, and, and finally Julius Brents gets an interception now uh, felt good yeah. for him. Probably one of his tougher picks that he's uh, had the opportunity to get. So he was due. In fact, <laughs> I feel so bad for him because 
you know, he should have had a pick probably earlier this year. It's sincere. Mason kind of took it from him. And then the, uh, the Austin Moore pick on Saturday where it felt like Austin Moore is like just diving, like where, where he's not even in the picture, just dives and catches the ball. (laughs) I don't know if Julius would have, Brent's would have caught it because it would have been a tougher catch too for him. But I mean, Austin Moore made that more complicated than it maybe it needed to be. And talk about a guy that's playing his, you know what off too is playing his yeah. butt off lost him more yeah he's the state's best linebacker right now no oh, he's really good I, is daniel green dinged up by he doesn't look so. quite he was in and physical. out of the he was in and out of the injury tent during that game yeah he doesn't and this isn't a knock on i think daniel green's a hell of a football player he doesn't look quite the same as what we saw last year and flying around the field and so I, i'm thinking maybe the bye week could do him some good too Probably. i agree yeah. i agree i what what game was it it was Oklahoma, wasn't it, Cole, where we were sitting there next to each other like, is Daniel Green in the game? Has he been playing? Like, you just didn't notice him out yeah, there. Yeah, well, this is Oklahoma, I mean, you're, the linebackers are going to get exposed more against Oklahoma than any other team. I will say that. And I thought he banged, he came up in the box and banged a couple of the running backs pretty hard um, against Texas Tech. I thought he actually played solid against Texas Tech, but he did come off the field percentage-wise because there was a lot of plays. But <laughs> he came off the field more than usual. It's not that he's playing poorly. It's just, you know, I have such high expectations for him. I'm used to just seeing him all around the football constantly, and it it doesn't feel quite the same. And I will say it feels like Nick Allen the last two games has gotten a significant amount of snaps uh, at the linebacker position. I mean, Dan Green almost did have a pick six against Tulane. Yeah, that's – I mean, yeah, he's got two interceptions on the year for a linebacker. He's been really good in coverage too. Um, Gavin Forche got some playing time on on Saturday as well. They brought him in for a couple series. Yeah, I – I heard. I'm trying to remember what what did Climate say about that post game. Basically, they need, they need for they're trying to get him, you know, ramping him up uh, to play, you know, a certain dosage of snaps because right. they're wearing Austin Moore out as much as they have to play him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, hey, man. Again, I know we just said it, but shout out to Austin Moore. Like I did not think that that dude was doubted him. As good as he, I, I did, man. I did. I'm sorry, KT Leviston. I don't like being doubted. Austin Moore could, you know, throw that back in my face. Um, he's playing, to be honest, he's playing at an all conference level. I was just about to say that. I was like, isn't he like an all conference linebacker right now? He might um, be. Really, really solid player. Uh, kind of falling in that mold. I, you know, remember, didn't Jonathan Truman have like 150 sack or a tackle season at one point? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Truman, yeah, Truman did. And, and let's be honest, he's playing. He's playing much better than Truman did, too. Um, he's he's, a, he's, he's been all co- all conference level right now. We'll see where it sits at, when the season's over. But I mean, he'd get a vote for me, that's for sure. And maybe another thing to point out: if we're going to stay on the defensive side, and shout out to Chris Nelson because he brought this up. Um, the safeties were the question mark of the team, and rightfully so. In the offseason, they, they were going to start three guys that you know we had never seen play football before, right? Um, and this is, I think, as accurate an assessment as anyone can make. Safety's better this year than they were last year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Safety's safety, great. I feel great about safety. Um, uh, Drake Cheatham. Kobe Savage. I think Drake Cheatham, uh, maybe a little bit of a rocky start. He's coming along just fine now. Sincere Mason's getting healthier. I know he barely played against Oklahoma. I think that probably went a little under the radar. And then his snaps increased against Texas Tech. So that was a good sign. I think. TJ Smith was really good against Oklahoma. He had a couple of plays he'd probably like to have back against Texas Tech, but he's still playing better than he was um, last year, too, even though he was beat up last year as well. And then the two safeties that are just kind of blowing me away is Josh Hayes and Kobe Savage. Those two do not take a playoff, and they let you know when they hit you, and 
they collapse fast. They play hard. They play fast. Their closing speed is, or at least right now, let's hope they stay healthy because it's at a very high rate. And can we talk about Kobe Savage shooting a shot with a Texas Tech cheerleader in the end zone? I think, yeah. I mean, we saw that. Yeah, we saw that. He definitely did. Blew her a kiss, at least. And I, she was pretty receptive. Let's she, seemed pretty, she seemed pretty flattered or smitten, you know. Yeah, it was, yeah. Was shout out to, uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Scott Pufal. Scott, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name. I know we've interacted on Twitter. Yeah, yeah you, you're the one that went viral with that tweet and got picked up all over the country with it. So, uh, yeah. And I, and I saw Kobe Savage's dad comment <laughs> in the replies as well. Uh, he had a great line, and I can't even remember what it was. Then but, I thought he just said chip off the old block. <laughs> yeah, but then he put like a hashtag of something to do with Savage. Um, I'd have to go back and look at it. It, it was good, yeah. Um, Kobe Savage is a heck of a football player. Uh, to your guys' point, the, the safeties have been great, and the depth at safety is is deeper than they've been in a while. I mean, they've got five guys, uh, really six if you count Nikendre Steiger uh, well, that played. He's out. It's VJ Payne, oh, right? Oh, yeah, VJ Payne. VJ Payne. Well, I was just thinking Steiger played the first couple of games. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's played since South Dakota or Mizzou, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know how I forgot about BJ Payne. Well, then heck, if you counted Steiger, you'd have seven. But you know, you've definitely got six that you're rotating in and out, which is pretty big for this defense to have that type of depth and quality depth at that. Timely for Kobe Savage because he was our conversation last week. That's right. Yeah. Dy, uh, I know you were at the game. Did Did you happen to see Kleiman's interview heading into the locker room at halftime? I heard about the nut up comment, so I, I like that going on air. That's uh, we got it just, just without hesitation, visit a V. We've got a nut up in the second half. I mean, he was right, and I and from all accounts, according to his um, description of it, where I they did everything. Him and Deuce, and I think Adrian commented on it too. They did everything, but basically say that he lit the, you know the offense's ass up at halftime. He basically just like ripped into them. I think. And seemed to be just what the doctor ordered. I think Colin Klein's adjustment was probably also just what the doctor ordered. But um, I, I would like to hear the audio of that halftime speech because I think it was pretty uh, electric. I would imagine it gets the player's attention pretty quickly because climbing typically. That way. Yeah, that's yeah, not his speed that's usually. That's not what he's doing. You know, I mean, he's not flying in there yelling every single week. So, yeah, warranted and it works. He also undressed that ref one time, right? I did because I, I wasn't watching it on TV, so I don't know what they saw, but it sounded like him and a ref were basically looked like a a major league baseball manager and an umpire just going at it. So he was Matt Campbelling the ref, is what you're saying? When he was trying to get that timeout to get that to get that review after the fumble. That's right. That's right. Well, John, the ref Matt wouldn't Cam- give him the timeout at first. Matt Campbell actually uses timeouts to just rip refs. That's his strategy. <laughs> So he did it at Oklahoma, the Big 12 championship uh, a couple years ago, and he did it this year. So I saw uh, a shout out to uh, Scott Chasen, who uh, does a does a great show on KCSN. I saw he tweeted during during that game that uh, he was like, does, has Iowa State gotten a sponsor yet for the Matt Campbell blow up of the game, like the Matt Campbell official blow up of the game? So it's not just us. It's not just us that, that noticed that everybody else notices it, too. Going back to that. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody lose it as much as Matt Campbell lost it in the, the Big 12 championship game a couple of years ago. So, Well, it's it's hard because my son likes to watch college football with me, but we can't watch <laughs> Iowa State games anymore because he's just he learned so many bad things from Matt Campbell, and he set such a poor example for my children that we can't even – it's not even safe to turn on the TV 
we have to watch the game on delay with him. And, you know, if he says something, I have to turn it off. So it's, it's really hard because we love to watch big 12 football and he's, He's ruined some of that for us. Well, I know, and Cole, I know you work very hard to create a five-star culture in your home, and this is really yeah. taking down your five-star we, culture at home. So I, I know that that's that's tough. We don't say things like that in our house, and you know the way that he behaves sometimes is just repulsive on the sideline. And you know, sure, when the clock ran out on Saturday, and my five-year-old Brody, uh, as Happy Trails was playing, waved bye-bye Texas Tech. Time to go cry to your mommies. <laughs> <laughs> and my friends looked at me <laughs> and they were like, wow, that's, uh, that's pretty intense. I did not say that. He learned the yeah. whole cry for your mommies thing from somewhere else. I, I did not give him that. He has learned. You need Texas things. Tech people listening. We have no disrespect. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, listen, I, I like Tech. I, I like endorse tech. that statement. I do not endorse That's that. Brody. Yeah. yeah, no, that is my son. Not, I don't even endorse it, guys. I like you, Texas Tech fans. I like your program. I like everything about you. In fact, I think you might be my most favorite fan base in the Big 12, um, outside of Kansas State, obviously. So um, no disrespect intended. That's just him running his mouth. We'll get that straightened out. I think he learned it from Matt Campbell, probably. Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. I like those two. I do, too. Yeah, I've got, I've got nothing, <clears throat> nothing against Oklahoma State at all. Which uh, this is a, this is a good lead-in to where I was going to go with this next. I mean, we're sitting here now. K State's two and zero in Big Twelve play. Seems like the Tulane loss is in the rear view. You do have this game with Iowa State coming up, but if we if we look at the landscape of the Big Twelve, like where where do you feel like K State fits in uh, to what's a pretty wide open Big Twelve with I would say Oklahoma State and TCU probably deserving top billing right now as one and two in the league. And then I mean, after that, is it is it K State? Where are you fitting them in? How do you uh, reckon what what kansas is doing with what k-state has done i'm not here for a conversation about the rankings i just look they're designed to do what it's done is just generate a bunch of conversation but if we're talking about legitimate big 12 favorites where where do you think k-state falls in the pecking order right now maybe i'm off kilter because i I think you kind of opened there on maybe how you see it i mean i see about four or five teams on the same top tier it's that balance to me like I'll, I'll put KU up there too right now. I mean, until their offense is stopped, which I know it was against Iowa State. Their offense was stopped on Saturday, but until Iowa State. Iowa State, but then all of a sudden they're But defense. Iowa State apparently spends zero time on special teams because. Uh, right. My, but, my but, but, and I know Iowa State's offense is not very good. And Hunter Deckers is a statue and easy to sack. I get that. But, man, I didn't think KU's defense was still capable of holding them to 11 points. Right. Or even if they get those three field goals, that's only 20. Like, I didn't think KU was capable of holding a power five defense under 20 points or offense under 20 points. That means so that counts for something. I'm, I mean, I'm not sitting here to say KU is going to go 10 and 2, 11 and 1. I mean, I would still say no to that, right? But they deserve respect right now because when their offense was finally stopped, their defense won a game, and that matters. Yeah. Um, to I, me, I, I agree. I mean, winning, no, I totally agree. I, there were two takeaways to me from that. It was that, well, I guess three, one, like I, I just didn't realize Iowa State's offense was that bad. I mean, I had not sat down and watched like an entire game. Their running back was out too, to be fair. Yeah. He, well, he, he came back in. He was like, 
he was hurt at the beginning of the game, and then it was is Silas. Is that the kid's name? No, uh, Brock. Brock. John Brock got hurt early, and he never played again. Yeah, uh, oh, okay. okay. He's week okay. to week, so he may not play against K State. They said they're going to get him back. And he's good. He's yeah, good. He's a good. He was averaging yeah. five point six per carry. So if he's unavailable for Saturday, that's that's big because they're they're pretty There's a big drop off from Brock to Silas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Touche. I stand corrected on that. Um, but yeah, to me, it was that one Kansas's offense is not invincible. You know, I mean, I think that was the, the positive, like, Hey, maybe Iowa state has figured some things out there, but if you're talking about Kansas and the development of their team and, and their program, yeah, being able to win a game when it's not just Jalen Daniels running and throwing all mm-hmm. over somebody is, you know, I mean, that, that's going to help the confidence of their team, uh, this year. So, yeah, I think you can definitely spin that positively, but. But at the I same mean, time, I look at it like, I, I don't know. I thought Jalen Daniels was going to do that to literally everybody this year. And so that, that at least gives you more pause on that front. Yeah. I mean, that was a program win. It was because their defense won a game. Um, yeah. I didn't think that they were capable of doing. Um, Oklahoma State really hasn't been challenged yet this year. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I, I mean, I just – I know you guys are not – D.Y., you're not real high on Baylor. I mean, I still think Baylor's a pretty good team. And, I mean, they went in and Baylor gave them – a run in that third quarter for a little bit for, for the most part that was Oklahoma State oh I still have enough respect for Baylor that what Oklahoma State did to them is mighty impressive very impressive especially I mean, very, in Waco. very very impressive and in Waco right after Baylor had their way with Iowa State in Ames right so mm-hmm. I mean I, but every week is different you gotta you gotta take that into account too you get stunned by a little something every week I'm not May, may, the, the only one I'm actually dragging my feet on a little bit more than other people, and I know you, you'll disagree because you've been high on them, is TCU. I'm still not still not sold on them. What do you mean? Well, you went to Colorado to cover against TCU, the worst team in college football. <laughs> well, that, but, but after that happened, and now he's like TCU's biggest cheerleader. So. Well, no, I'm just saying, I mean, look, they're, they're unbeaten, and then just – I mean, look, if we're going to tout K-State's win over Oklahoma, my God, look what they just did to Oklahoma. No, no doubt about I, it. I mean, I they, just... they belong. I'm not saying I believe in them long-term to win the league, but where we're at right now, their resume. Their, I mean, their resume speaks for itself. Again, it's those four we just talked about. It's Oklahoma State, K-State, KU, TCU, and I probably still have Baylor in that group. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I would throw out, too, and I, I hate doing it, but Texas does have two losses. Only one of those is a conference loss, and – they're about to get Quinn Ewers back, it sounds like. And even beyond that, I mean, Hudson Card had a really good game. It was West Virginia, who I think we can we – can They're still a threat for Arlington. Uh, yeah. It's, it's like the, the worst team in the league. But, yeah, te- Texas and, – and they're about to get, you know, this beleaguered Oklahoma team. I don't I don't Maybe know. Maybe without Dylan Gabriel. I'm going to say, is Dylan Gabriel going to play on Saturday? Like, So, Texas could easily play their way right back into this if they're, if they're going to be focused and not – do Texas things. I don't, the only thing I think we know about the Big 12, and we'll let Cole talk, but he hasn't talked yet, I don't think, is I think West Virginia is the clear 10th team in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I actually thought they would be competitive in that game at Texas, so I was taken aback a little bit when it was 28 to nothing because West Virginia, the line actually moved from West Virginia plus 10 to about plus 7.5 when Ewers was ruined, ruled out before that game. I thought they'd be competitive, uh, and, they, and they were not at all. So that was disappointing for West Virginia. I do think they're probably the worst team in this league. Um, you know, TCU, what they did was incredibly impressive. Uh, to caveat it, I mean, they did knock Gabriel out in the second quarter. I think TCU would have won big probably no matter what. It might have been a little closer. I think OU scores more, uh, obviously, if Gabriel's not hurt. But 
that defense for TCU um, has been better than I expected. And they're, they're so balanced offensively. They ran for over 300 and threw for over 300 against Oklahoma. So that game in Fort Worth, which I'm going to be at uh, as a fan in the stands, uh, is going to become much bigger than I initially expected. Uh, but it really sets the stage for the significance of, you know, when you look at Kansas State, this Iowa State game, and, and they're all going to feel big from here on out because you started Big 12 play 2-0 and and, you know, each week is critical to getting to Arlington. But to me, this Iowa State game is such a jumping off point because if Kansas State can go on the road and win and get to 3-0 and heading into a bye, they will have knocked out two of their road games already. Um, tough places to play, too. Ames at night, this is not going to be a gimme at all. Both at night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, both, yeah, both at night in the prime time, under the lights. We know Iowa State will be excited. Uh, if Kansas State can win that game and then get through the bye week, TCU has to play at home against Oklahoma State while K-State's on a bye. It's a perfect letdown situation for TCU then having to bounce back. And we know Oklahoma State always plays physical. K-State will be resting, have two weeks to prepare. I, because of that, I, I feel pretty good about K-State going down to TCU. Now, we'll see what happens next this next Saturday. But uh, if K-State can get to 3-0, man, I – I really start to think they have a, a pretty good shot at getting to Arlington. We talked about this for the last couple of years on Power Cat Game Day. Um, th- this is another one of these sequ- one of these events. It's that get over the hump game that they've lost every single time, right? Under Chris Klein, they've never gotten a. And look, they'll they'll have more get over the hump games this year too. Don't get me wrong, but this is um, this is one of those that they've lost every time under Chris Klein because you get to three zero. You get a bye week, so you're still – you get into the fourth, fifth week of Big 12 play and you're, you're undefeated, you, you know, you're in a good spot. And like you said, you're catching TCU at a good time too. It's hard not to to dream a little bit and think about Kansas State going these 2-0 and these next two weeks, over a three-week stretch. Oklahoma State and Manhattan, October 29th, for homecoming, and having a potential top 10 matchup by then, top 15 and top 10. I mean, that – This is the, the atmosphere – I mean, gosh, I, I just want to see that happen so bad, guys, because I want to see that atmosphere. Not that the atmosphere hasn't been good in Manhattan, right. but I it would be at another level, the best level it's been in the Chris Kleiman era, um, if they can get to that with a significant matchup in Manhattan um, under, well, hopefully under the lights, we'll see. But um, that, that's that's the dream scenario is to win these next two and get to that game. But yeah, yeah. We'll maybe maybe you're the night game on ABC or something, but with our luck, we'll probably be the, the big noon kick on Fox. Yeah. <laughs> well, true. I'm taking it one week at a time, boys, because, you know, this is a big week. This yeah, but this is the get over the hump game. And, and not only that, but, I mean, as I was so kindly reminded by uh, Iowa State fans, uh, Chris Kleiman has lost two games in a row to Iowa State by a pretty rough – combined aggregate score uh i, I understand this is a one game i understand 2020 aggregate yes i mean but iowa state really controlled that game last year too i mean that was a pretty disappointing well because the first play is a touchdown <laughs> i mean just right from the get-go they they controlled that game that was a disappointing one yeah. last year so th- this is a game like look matt campbell last year had the team with all the experience all the talent they, they were like k-state last year remember that preseason all big 12 team last year it was littered with iowa state players that have now since gone on to the nfl this year it's K-State that led the league with all those all those players there. They came in and smacked K-State around, even though they went seven and six last year. They came into Bill Snyder Family Stadium and won. Like this, this is a game that you need to go get. Like this is a game that you you should win. You've got the experienced team, you got the veteran team. Iowa State looks like they're in shambles right now. You you've got to go get this game. Gotta go get it. 
So just a, a quick, quick thought there. Well, John, I haven't decided if I'm going yet still. Uh, I was about to ask. I'd go back and forth on this. I saw the poll. You got over 500 voters and it was like 87%. Like, you have to listen to the people, I think. Uh, can they start up a GoFundMe then to, to buy our $70 tickets? Gosh, why is it $70 to go there? They're 0-2. Uh, Cole, have you seen the price of Super Bowl tickets these days? No, uh, that's a good point. Oh, good point. Yeah, that's true, John. Well, yeah, well, have you seen the price of the hotels too? I don't think you guys have planned ahead. Well, well, it, well no, no, no. Here's the, that's not that's not the move anyway. The move would be you you drive like an hour outside of town at least after the game. I that, did. I'm in Des Moines. Well, okay, but I mean, we've stayed in like Ankeny before. It was always a pain. John, it was always a pain. I'm in Altoona, which is I think a yeah, suburb of Des Moines. But I think we would we would call at least an, maybe even two hours just find a spot on the the oh, highway yeah. after that. To, Look, John, you know what I would do. You've been with me on road trips before. I'd push us all the way back to Kansas City at that point. Because it's only three a little more than three hours. I mean, I'm not gonna pay for a hotel room if I'm already only an well, hour out of Kansas City. My at hope that is point. no one is sober enough to drive. Uh, well, I, do they? They don't sell bourbon, I don't think, in Jack Tri Stadium. So I, I don't just push it. light. Just push light. Yeah. Well, um, we'll we'll see. We'll, we we got to figure out where hey, the K State section's at. Let's do it. Let's do a quick little breakdown here. You know, and three mile listeners, maybe you can you can try and influence us. Uh, throughout the week, you know, on Twitter at JL Kurtz at Cole underscore Manback, whether or not we should do this. Because I will admit, Cole, I'm on the fence a little bit too. We did get a veiled threat from an Iowa State fan on Twitter yeah. yesterday. And then he de- <laughs> and then he deleted the tweet. So when I when I asked him what do we deserve, he deleted it. So I, I do feel like he was probably threatening us. I know. I know. You're lying. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, he, he just, said he it, hopes it, that John and I get what we deserve at Ames on Saturday, and I go, "What do we deserve?" And then he deleted the tweet. Maybe, so. maybe it was just an L. Maybe you deserve no, an L. no. It felt like a threat. Frankly, I, Cole, gonna... I was just happy to have some some uh, some company because usually I'm the only one on the dartboard, but now apparently you've earned a spot on the dartboard as well. So good work. Well, good work. Yeah, well, I think it all goes back to our. Uh, you know, being on Cyclone Fanatic, making our appearance there. And that really helped get me on the radar when they emphasized my last name like eight different times uh, on that podcast. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, man. I Part of me is like, it'd be like we all just get together and watch it at a bar or a basement. It was also it was very fun because it was very fun to do that for Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, part of it is like I'm also torn because I want to be able to take my entire family to go see the bridge. But uh, it's it's one of those like once in a lifetime opportunities to be able to see that. And for them, like for my my kids to be able to set foot on that piece of concrete would be a really special moment. But they're not leaving the Big 12. So we could do that in a couple years too, maybe in 24 and you go could back do it for the basketball game this year. We could. You know, I gotta, I'm trying to plan some vacations to Ames, Iowa, just to because uh, I want to go at night, too, because I don't know if you guys heard it lights up. They put lights on it, so they they installed lights, and the bridge glows in the dark, which is really just incredible technology that they've got there. Um, so that's where I'm torn. Hey, we got a we got a segment coming on Thursday's show, guys. Uh, oh, that I, on that topic that uh, I think we'll have a little fun with John and Dy. I don't even know what's coming, but uh, no, I don't. No, yeah. no, now that I, I don't see, I, I'm saving most of my I'm saving most of my ammo for just the I'm, I'm I got to see the outcome of the game, man. <laughs> I got to see the outcome of the game. I don't yeah, know. And, and you'll have two weeks to bask in it too. That is right. That is right, man. It's going to be two weeks. If it, if it happens, that would be great. I'm well, torn too, Cole, because 
I mean, one, obviously just the, the inherent risk of like, it, it's a night game. Like how, how far is it from KC? Three and a half. Yeah. For you, for downtown, it'll, you know, you're in downtown KC. So it's about three. Okay. You know, I mean, either way. So like a three hour trip. God, that's making it more tempting. I was thinking more like four or five. All right. So like, a you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're three hours away. And uh, then, then if you lose, that's just like a long drive back at night. Like that's, it's, it's very high risk, high reward, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Very, very high risk, high reward. And uh, the other part that factors into me is like, I mean, I just did 10 years of this where it's like traveling to every single game and always traveling by car. And I'm just like I'm a little bit over it, you know? I mean, it's cool being there at the game, but it's it, the travel really wears on you after a while. And I was hoping to take a step back from some of that, but I'm also feeling very compelled to be at this game too. So I, I don't know, man. I'm pretty split. Yeah, it'll also be my eighth straight weekend on the road if I go. And then I'm going to Fort Worth. Um, and I'm sure my wife will, like, try to make me go to a pumpkin patch or something on the, the bye week, you know. So that's uh, that's going to be my life. With the what, girls. Do you, what, what do you vote, D.Y.? You know I want you guys there. Yeah, he's, actually, he's in the press box, safe with. Oh, well, well, you're, you're not safe in that press box. You're not true. safe from leaky water. <laughs> actually, I'm not even sure if that thing's structurally safe. But uh, <laughs> no, actually, I I don't want you there. We're one and zero on the road when you don't travel. So we need to go to Tanner's and do another you live gotta, show. You got to go to Manhattan. <laughs> That's true. We do. We're gonna have to bust out another live show. All right. If that meant case they went five and zero on the road this year, I'd go to Tanner's every time. I would too. I would too. No doubt. Okay. Well, to be continued, we'll uh, we'll let you know. Maybe we'll have an answer by by the time the pod comes out on Thursday. Maybe not. Probably we'll not. see. Well, my wife says no. Like she's like, no, you're not. You're not allowed to go because she's seen me around Iowa State fans, and she said she she could come on and attest. Like I'm not someone that's going to fight people, but she said the only time she's ever seen me nearly actually get in a physical altercation with a fan was Iowa State at the Big Twelve tournament. So they bring out the worst in me. Um, definitely. Really, see, they don't even bother me that much in basketball. But oh, play. they bother me in basketball because of the Big Twelve tournament. Like I, I was drinking a, a beer at Power and Light, and one of them came up and knocked the beer out of my hand when I was talking to my parents. So yeah, that's uh, hmm. they're really lovely. Well, when you're on a when you're on a trip to Sandals, Kansas City, Cole, you know, I mean stuff. <laughs> stuff yeah. So all right, all right. Uh, you know, maybe. Maybe that's about time to wrap her on up. Uh, thank you to uh, Holiday Distillery 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Uh, we appreciate their support, as always, in helping bring you the pod. <clears throat> we'll be back at it once again on uh, Thursday with the uh, preview pod for Iowa State. So until then, we bid you adieu. Uh, appreciate the work of Jed and Tucker behind the scenes. For Derek Young, for Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another 3 Ball. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.